we are going to talk about the mighty savior jesus the mighty savior jesus the good shepherd so we are standing before this mighty savior so it's always good to stand and see what who this mighty savior is jesus is the mighty savior jesus is the good shepherd shall we turn our bibles to the book of isaiah chapter 40 isaiah chapter 40 yesaya thirkudasi ezhudina puthagam 40th adhigaram 9th mudal 11th mudiya yesaya 40th adhigaram vasanangal 9th mudal 11th mudiya isaiah chapter 40 verses 9 to 11 you who bring good news to zion go up on a high mountain you who bring good news to jerusalem lift up your voice with a shout lift it up do not be afraid say to the towns of judah here is your god see the sovereign lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm see his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him he tends his flock like a shepherd he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart he gently leads those that have young this is god's word kindly be seated isaiah chapter 40 is meant not to give us some special information about god though it gives but this chapter is meant to transform our lives as i mentioned earlier it is the word of god that the spirit of god takes to do the work of god if we want god to work in our life we need to have the word of god the more we are saturated with the word of god the spirit of god takes that word of god and it works uh, the work of god that's how it works there is no other easy way in this passage isaiah the prophet he draws an extraordinary portrait of the deliverer whom god has promised to send to this world to rescue and redeem the humanity right in genesis chapter 3 what god promised you know isaiah chapter 40 he describes the deliverer the strong deliverer who will come into this world you know isaiah prophetically describes our lord jesus christ how does he describe you know in verse 10 he speaks about the mighty savior and when he is come when he comes to verse 11 he speaks about the good shepherd and what is interesting is in verse 11 he gives that pictorial form of the good shepherd how wonderful it is if you read the verse 11 he tends his flock like a shepherd he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart he gently leads those that have yeah this is the good shepherd who came to this world to seek and save the lost you know what you see in verse 10 and 11 is a remarkable blend and combination of two different attributes you know sometimes we may think it is contradictory what you find in chapter verse 10 is strength what you find in verse 11 is tenderness that is the combination of this two you know contrasting 
trades, but both are important. We need to recognize that the mighty savior and the good shepherd are the two sides of the son of God, the savior of the world. When we are talking about Jesus, we need to keep these two things in mind. It's not enough if we just take one of the things. Both are important. It is wrong if we you know, leave the strength of God and say Jesus is good shepherd. Jesus is the mighty savior and he's also the good shepherd. And we need to keep this in focus. It is only because Jesus is so strong that he can also be so tender. It is Jesus is so strong. You know, the strength is always essential for tenderness. You know, if you want to become tender, you need to have strength in Jesus, the identity in Jesus. Your, when your identity in Jesus becomes so strong, nothing in this world can move you. You can still be tender. You, cannot, you will not be dictated by the things of the world. You know, as Jesus looks at Satan and sin, he roars like a lion. You know, we keep singing, who is like the Lord? You know, he's both a lion and the lamb. As Jesus looks at Satan and sin, he roars like a lion. When Jesus looks towards us in our sin, shame, misery, and brokenness, he appears like a good shepherd. If he roars at us, he is of no help to us. But in our failings, in our weakness, in our insult, in our sin, in our shame, in our disappointment, in our brokenness, he appears as the good shepherd. Now let's meditate on this passage by asking three questions. The first question is, why do we need a mighty savior? Why do we need a mighty savior? The second is, how does the good shepherd relate to us? And the third question is, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to me? So let's look at the first one. Why do we need a mighty savior? If I were to ask you, do you know the forces that are against you? Do you know what all forces are against you? We say in Christ, I have freedom. Yes, he has freed you from what? Why should you have a mighty savior? It's important that we understand that. You know, in verse 10, he says, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. Why do we need a mighty savior? Because we need to be delivered from all the forces that hold us captive and stand between us and God and his blessing. We need a mighty savior, you know, who can free us from our captivity that stands between us and God and his blessing. When we were in the dominion of darkness, we were not even aware about these forces. Before salvation, we were not even aware about these forces that were holding us captive. But now we have been saved. It is important we know we have been saved from what? We have been saved from what? You know, the, the normal answer we get is, I have forgiveness of sin. But it's important to understand we have been saved from what? Salvation involves freedom from the following four forces. Okay? 
Salvation, when you say, I have been saved, you have been saved from the following four things. The first one is, it is the law of God and his demands. The law of God and his demands. You know, in Psalm 119, almost he will idolize the word of God. Okay, but the law of God doesn't give us freedom. If someone thinks, oh, I have the Ten Commandments, they're the wonderful things, they're not wonderful. The Ten Commandments always takes you to the death row. If you understand the Ten Commandments rightly, you will be crushed under the burden of the Ten Commandments. If, if any one of us, if we are thinking, oh no, I follow all the Ten Commandments, let me draw your attention to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. You know, what was Jesus doing? In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was meditating on the Ten Commandments. And he is giving the explanation of the Ten Commandments. You know, Ten Commandments are burdensome. Because if you say that I have not committed adultery, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and 28, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. We all know that story, no? The woman who was caught in adultery, they saw her physically, they saw her, they caught her in, her in an act of adultery. They came and Jesus said, whoever is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone. What happened? Everybody left. You know, if we think we are following the Ten Commandments, commandments are a burden. Law condemns us. Law doesn't rescue us. Law condemns us. Law tells us how guilty we are. Law doesn't save us. You know, if you say, you know, I have not committed murder, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 5.22, I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So none of us can keep the law of God. So the law stands against us. The law testifies against us. Now what is the second force? There is sin that is within us and it's hold over us. You know, in Romans 7.15, Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. What I hate, I do. Why? Sin has a stronghold on us, a stranglehold on us. And sin affects every aspect of our being. Sin is cancerous. It affects every aspect of our being. It affects all our relationships. That's the reason there is widespread brokenness in this world, all because of sin. You know, we experience brokenness in our personal life. We experience brokenness in our family life. We experience brokenness in our workplace, brokenness in our city, brokenness in this country, brokenness in the whole world. Sin affects every aspect of created being. Third, there is Satan and all the powers of evil unleashed against us. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. All these forces are against us. The rulers, the authorities, the dark forces of this, the forces of this dark world, 
and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We educated people, we in this 21st century, we can afford to say, oh, it's all, you know, it's an old thing. There is nothing like that. You know, we can ignore the evil forces only at our peril. We don't have to overestimate the evil forces. At the same time, we should not underestimate the power of the evil forces. We need to have a balanced approach. We need to understand the spiritual, the forces of darkness that has a place in our lives. That is the reason Isaiah says the sovereign Lord comes with power. The sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. The moment you understand who all are your enemies, the moment you realize that, and when you read this, the sovereign Lord comes with power and with a mighty arm, you will be so glad. Then finally, there is the fear of death and the grave. I don't have to explain this. The fear of death looms over our head. Think of any human being in your knowledge, anyone who has, who has said, I can deliver you from these forces. Think of anyone, any great leader, any philosopher who has said, come to me, I'll deliver you from these forces. Anyone. There has been no human being in the history of this world who could say, come, I'll deliver you from these forces. That is the reason we need a mighty savior. When you're talking about salvation, you have been saved from this darkness. When you say, I have been brought from the dominion of darkness, what is the darkness? This is the darkness. Now do you realize what's meant by salvation? We need to be freed from the forces of evil that hold us captive, that comes between us and God, and us and his blessings. We need to be freed from these forces. This is salvation. We need a mighty savior. No human being, you know, whether he's a religious man, he's an intellectual man, no human being has ever said, come, I'll free you from these places. People still run after human beings thinking that they have the way. When Jesus said, I am the way, he alone is the way. Amen? You know, the great news of salvation is that God has sent his son and he has overcome all these forces. Hallelujah. You know, God sent his son and he has overcome all these forces. You know, right, you know, Mary, in the, in the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 1, verse 51, you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, she sings, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. Amen. This is our Savior. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. You know, in Isaiah 63, 3, the prophet writes, about the Savior, I have trodden the winepress alone. I told you in the beginning, we cannot keep the law. We cannot free ourselves from sin. We cannot fight against these evil forces. We cannot overcome death. But Jesus kept the law. If there is one person who kept the law, that was Jesus. Jesus kept the law. He was without sin. 
and he defeated and conquered Satan. He was alone in the garden of Gethsemane, thinking of you. Alone in the garden of Gethsemane, thinking about you. He was alone on the cross because you were on his mind. And he alone was strong enough to bear our sins and punishment. Hallelujah. He is our mighty savior. He is our mighty savior. Do you know what Jesus Christ has done for you? Do you know? The enemy is conquered. The enemy of sin. The enemy of law. You know, the law is always against us. But it has been fulfilled in Jesus. He is our mighty Savior. So when you are talking about Jesus, only if you think about Good Shepherd, and if you don't understand the mighty Savior, what he has done for us. We are not even aware sometimes from which all forces we have been rescued. We have been saved. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, 56 to 57, Paul says that sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You name any of these forces, Jesus gives you victory. Have you personalized that victory? He has reconciled us to God with his mighty arm, with strength, with power. That is the reason Paul could say, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, sometimes we quote this verse, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now do you know who all are against us? If God is for us, who all are against us? They cannot be against us. Nothing, nothing, nothing in this world can be against you. That's the reason. That's the hope we have when you are saved. That's the hope. When Jesus is your mighty savior, that's the hope. That's the confidence we have. If God is for us, who can be against us? When we say this verse, we should also remember things that are against us. Then only we understand what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Now I'm sure all of us are convinced that we need a mighty savior. First, we need a mighty savior. We need to be freed from all these forces. Now let's look at the second aspect. You know, how does the good shepherd relate to us? It's important for us to know how does the good shepherd relate to us. Isaiah 40, 11 says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that are young. You keep meditating on this one verse. You can go on meditating. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. You know, as I mentioned earlier, here you have a pictorial form of the shepherd. You know, the good shepherd who came to seek and save the lost. Just imagine the picture that is portrayed here. You know, here is our great mighty savior. He's portrayed as one of, you know, in one in, where we, in whom we can find great tenderness. 
not only great tenderness, he is gentle. He is patient. He is long-suffering. And he is understanding. Amen. If Jesus had not been like this, what would have happened to us? If he has not been tender to us, if he had not been gentle to us, if he had not been patient to us, do you think we could have been, we would have been saved? No way, no way. This is our savior who has great understanding towards each one of us. If someone has not lost any hope in you, that is Jesus. Your parents may lose your hope. Your spouse may lose their hope in you. Children may lose their hope in you. You know, the society, the workplace, everyone may lose hope in you, but one person who doesn't lose his hope in you is Jesus. Be amen. Because he is so tender. He's so tender. He's so gentle. He's so patient with each one of us. If only we know our real self, we will, I don't have to explain this, how patient he has been with us. You know, s somebody said, you know, if you are criticized, you know, how do you handle criticism? So they said, the one way to handle criticism is, you know, somebody comes and says something against me. Say, how do I handle that? I have to tell that person, if you only, if you had known my real self, what you are telling is nothing. Do you understand? This person has never lost his hope in each one of us. That is our savior, mighty savior, good shepherd. You know, our life may break, we may fail. You know, we may be in the darkness, but one person who never loses hope in us is our mighty savior. Our Lord Jesus, does that love move your heart this morning? Does it make you to worship him? That mighty savior, the good shepherd. Now when, he, when Jesus, Jesus himself, he expounded this passage for us in John chapter 1 when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Basically, he's expounding on this particular verse. I am the good shepherd. So, what does good shepherd mean to me, mean to us? How does he relate to us? It's very important for us to know if when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, how does he relate to us? The first thing is relationship. When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he tends his flock like a shepherd. If our salvation is genuine, we have a special relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? It's a special relationship. In this world, there are only two groups of people. The people who have relationship with the Lord Jesus and the other group of people who do not have relationship with Lord Jesus. That's, that's only two groups of people. Now sometimes people say that's a Christian nation. There's nothing known as Christian nation. That's all our illusion. There's nothing known as, there's nothing about a nation being Christian. They may have few Christian principles, that's all. But there are only two groups of people. In here, we, we, wherever you go, there are only two groups of people. People who have a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus and the people who do not have that relationship with the Lord Jesus. You know, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were called as chosen people. You read the Old Testament and you find they were the chosen people. But in the New Testament, whoever believes in the, Lord's, in, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are called as chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special position. Amen? Do you see yourself like that? 
I am a chosen person. I am a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. And I am God's special position. Do you see yourself like that? Or do you allow the world to dictate your value? When you say Jesus is the good shepherd, the first thing is relationship. Do you have that special relationship? The second thing is ownership. We belong to the good shepherd. Amen? We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to the good shepherd. It's a privilege. It's a blessing. You know, in John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You know, when Jesus says, I know my sheep, you know, he is not talking on superficial terms. He is talking on, on personal terms. He has a special interest in each one of us. He has a special concern for his sheep. He knows each one of us by our name. He knows each one of us by our name. Amen? Jesus knows your name. Does it give you some confidence? Or we are so caught up with the identity that the world dictates? He knows you by your name. Though he is seated at the right hand of God, he looks down upon the earth to see what's happening to my child. Are you aware of it? He's seated at the right hand of God. He looks down upon this earth to see each one of us. You are never alone. Once you are in Jesus, the God of Israel neither slumber nor sleeps. 24-7 He's watching over you. 24-7 He's watching over us. You are never alone. Once you come into this fold, you can never escape the watchful eye of our Lord Jesus. He's watching over us. And he's telling to each one of you, you belong to me. You belong to me. You are one of my sheep. You are my personal position. Amen. You know, when you have something very precious in your house, how carefully you keep that. And today, Jesus is telling you are my personal possession. Good shepherd means relationship, ownership, position. It's important we understand position. How did we become personal position? How did we become personal position? In John 10, 15, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. We are his position because he has bought us by dying for our sins on the cross. Amen. He shed his blood for us. If the cross doesn't move us, we are still religious people. We are still calling upon the name of Jesus because we have been brought up in a Christian family. Unless that personal encounter at the cross, when you understand what he did for you on the cross. 
unless you understand the forces that were against you and what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's the reason Peter, in First Peter 1, 18 to 19, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamp without blemish or defect. Amen. We run after gold and silver. And we think that is valuable. But we are valuable not because we have gold and silver. We are valuable because we have been bought with the precious blood of Christ. A lamp without blemish or defect. In Gethsemane, he was all alone. All alone. No one was with him. In his mind, you were there. All alone in Gethsemane. He was crying for you. He was pleading for you. That is the reason once you become a Christian, once you are saved, you no longer belong to this world. You belong to Lord Jesus because he has bought you. That is why the things of the world are not attractive to us. They don't add value to our lives. They all may be good things. Education may be good. Job may be good. All, all of those things may be good. But they don't decide my value. My value comes because he, I have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. My value comes because of that. Not because my life goes fine. You know, everything is fine. No, 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 no. That's his grace. Even wicked people have good life. But my value comes because I have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. That's the reason Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is this your testimony? Is this your testimony? If you and I have been saved, this should be our testimony. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why do we need a mighty savior? How does the good shepherd relate to us? Finally, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to me? When you call your Jesus as the mighty savior, as the good shepherd, what does this mean to me? If this doesn't become personal, it's of no use. I said chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40 is meant to transform our lives. Not to give some addi additional information that Jesus is the mighty savior, Jesus is the good shepherd. No, this should transform our lives. So what does this mean to me? The first is special relationship. We should live as though we belong to the mighty savior. We should live like that. In every area of our life, we should live as though we belong to the mighty Savior because we are in a special relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. This relationship is so special that we are ready to give up everything just to maintain this relationship. 
But how do we know that we have the special relationship? Is there a way I know I have the special relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Of course. You know, Jesus says in John chapter 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you recognize the Lord Jesus Christ and his voice? Do you recognize? If we are his sheep, we will listen to his voice. Do you recognize? It's my Lord who speaks to me. Because we know we cannot deliver ourselves from the forces that are against us. You know, the more you ponder about your salvation, you will be surprised that you are a Christian. The more you understand the depravity of sin that had a stranglehold on us, we were in the dark, absolute darkness. We didn't even know we were in the darkness. That is the extent of darkness. He brought us out from the dominion of darkness. He delivered us. That is what happens in salvation. The, the more you grow in salvation, the more you understand what Jesus has done for you. It is not enough a one-time prayer and say everything. No, 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 no. You just, you are a baby. The day we are saved, we are just a newborn baby. And we grow more and more. And we are surprised. This Jesus, the Son of God, the one who is blameless, no defect in him. He came. He wept all alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went to the cross all alone because of me, to deliver me. He has rescued me. Do you understand that? That is why I'm keen to listen to his voice. There are many voices in this world. They try to dull the voice of the Lord. Today we are in an age we are captivated by so many voices. But do you have the direct relationship with your mighty Savior? Do you listen to his voice? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The Lord Jesus knows you. Do you know him? Do you know him? You know, the law could not save us. The law was against us. We have rebelled against God. Though we don't like to accept that, we were in total rebellion against God. The forces of evil were against us. All the rulers, all the authorities all the forces of this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, they were all against us. But he rescued us. He redeemed us. He redeemed us with his precious blood. Amen. That is our salvation. Do you have that personal relationship with Jesus? Second, if he is the good shepherd, we are assured of God's provision. You know, he tends his flock like a shepherd. You know, when you, you, when you read the word tend, it is a comprehensive word. It's a word that gives us the assurance. God not only takes care of your food and your sustenance, he takes care of everything that you need. When he says, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's what. You know, he tends his sheep like a shepherd means he will take care of every single detail in your life. 
that is the provision that you are assured when you have Jesus as your good shepherd. You know, he is there to give you a new life. He is not only gives you a new life, he gives his own life to you. He imparts the divine nature in you. He gives you a new beginning. Today, wherever you are, if you accept this message, if you believe it, if you accept it, all that you have to do is receive it. You don't have to sit and keep thinking, how do I figure it out? Rationalization doesn't work in this place. You need to believe this. Jesus is your good shepherd. Believe it. Accept it. In this world, come what may, he will be there for you. No problem. No problem. No disasters can overwhelm us. We may fall, but we will not remain like that. Because he is the good shepherd. He will sustain us. He will not leave you in the middle of the road and run away. You know, he is the God who is always with us. Do you believe this? If you believe this, then you'll also follow him. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This becomes precious. How does he feed us? He feeds us with his wisdom, with his counsel, with his instruction. Where do you find this book? Where do you hear his voice? In this book. Not on WhatsApp and video, YouTube. When you read this book, when you allow the word of God to minister to you, he will hear his voice. If you are his shepherd, if you are his sheep, you will run to this book because I want to listen to my shepherd's voice. How often you run to listen to the shepherd's voice. It's not enough to say he's the mighty savior, he's the good shepherd. I want to listen to this good shepherd's voice. If he's the mighty savior and if he's the good shepherd, you know what you will say? You will say he is enough. He is more than enough. He is the all and in all, he is fully satisfying. Have you come to that place? Jesus is enough for me. He is more than enough for me. He is the all. And in all, he is fully satisfying. What satisfies you today? Money? Little bit of gold? Little bit of accolades? They'll all pass away. Some achievements, some ministry, everything will pass away. The only thing that will satisfy us is Jesus. Do you find that enjoyment in Jesus or it is so burdensome just to come to church, to worship, to read the Bible? Is it so burdensome? You know, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. Just imagine, you are the lamb. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. This lamp is not clean. There's a dirty lamp. And your shepherd is clean. He's a holy shepherd. And he carries you close to his heart. Who do you carry close to your heart? Your child. The child is precious. So this God carries you close to his heart. He gently leads those that are young. Do you think he doesn't know your problem. He doesn't know your pain. He doesn't know your s struggles. He gently leads those that are young. He has been 
He has shown his tenderness. He is our God. He is our God. You know, God is committed to taking care of you. You may run after the things of the world and say, I need to have this, I need to have this. Then only my life is secure. Don't fall, you know, fall into the deception. Materialism is quite deceptive. If you think I have so much of money, I don't have to take care, you're the most poor, the most poor person in this world. When you die, you cannot take even one rupee. Let your trust be in God. You know, Jesus Christ will be with you in this life. He will be with you in death. He will be with you forever in eternity. Amen. Jesus Christ will be with you in this life. He will be with you in death. Tell me who else can be with us in our death. He'll be with us in death. And he'll be with us forever in eternity. How precious is this Jesus in your life? Do you know his voice? Because the Bible clearly says, I know my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. Let it not be just a message, just some information about Jesus. My sheep listen to my voice. Do you know his voice? Have you heard him? Do you recognize him as the mighty savior and the good shepherd? Do you belong to him? Are you one of his sheep? If you are his sheep, the outcome of that is you have lost your taste for the world. If you are really sheep, you have lost your taste for the world because in 1st John chapter 2 16 17 it says for everything in the world everything in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father but from the world the world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of God lives forever how strong is your desire for this Lord Jesus, the mighty Savior, the Good Shepherd. How strong is your desire for this mighty Savior? You know what he has done for you. You know from which all forces he has released you. You know as the Good Shepherd how he relates to you. He has a relationship with you. He owns you. You are his special position. Does that move you? Shall we look to the Lord?